Hey guys, I'm Court. And I'm Kate. And you're listening to Season 3, Episode 9 of The Castle Chat. Season finale! We are here! We're at the end of Season 3 and we are so excited to bring you today's episode, Disney Legends. This is an episode where we pick a Disney legend who has greatly impacted what we know about Disney and we discuss everything about them in this season finale. And for this episode, we have picked Julie Andrews. We are really excited to talk about why she is a Disney legend and how she has impacted the Disney community. So let's jump on in. season finale what what i can't even believe it wow three all the way through i'm proud of us i am too i mean we started this podcast how many months ago um it was september six months ago okay yeah six months we've been doing this for half a year yeah we've been super consistent and i feel like you can always play a comparison game and think about podcasts that are super successful heavily followed on social media and all of that but i am really proud of what we bring to the table and think that you know the the episodes and the creativity that we put out is very unique and so we just want to go ahead before we even kick off the content um say a quick thank you to everybody who listens and has joined us in this little castle chat family um it means a lot to us that there are people out there listening um we surpassed a thousand streams yeah so that's exciting um but we are really already looking forward to what the next season brings and what the next six months bring so um this might be the finale to season three but there is so much more to come Oh yeah, definitely. We have so many more episodes up our sleeve. We cannot wait to share all of them with you. And thank you to all of you that listen each week and are a part of this family. So Julie Andrews. Julie Andrews. I mean, just saying that name alone, I think everybody who is a big Disney fan knows who she is, knows what she has brought to the table Mm -hmm. in terms of Disney film history. But she has had such a huge career from you know her her music career broadway career film career um and has been named a disney legend by disney itself but there's so many reasons why she is relevant to what we know today as disney and i'm super pumped to break down her career and and explain to people why she's so important yeah I think that's kind of what you guys can expect from this episode. We are going to do a, just an overview of the history of her career, um, go through that. Also explain to you kind of the impact that she has had with the Walt Disney Company and also just end on some fun facts. We love fun facts. There is a lot for us to to unpack for her, so I'm excited to jump in. So yeah, Court, why don't you just give people a little bit of insight into where Julie Andrews' love and passion for acting and performing started, because it started way back. Yeah, it definitely started way before her time in Disney. 
So Julie Andrews actually began her performing career um, by being a part of a traveling entertainment group with her mom and her stepdad for troops during World War II, meaning that she would have been around nine or 10 years old at that time, which is um, a crazy, it's crazy to think about her, somebody starting their career at that young of age. Yeah, I think it's super cool. I guess from what we've read, when World War II really got into um, its you know full extent where countries were heavily impacted and schools for kids were not operating, kids had to be out of school because I guess between safety and also people being involved with the war, they just... It wasn't something that um, was on the table. So Julie Andrews was obviously born um, in England. Maybe not obviously, but she was born in England. And during World War II, her parents were divorced. And um, she went to go stay with her mom and her stepdad, who were performers for troops. And her dad, stepdad was a singer, and her mom played the piano. And wow. so she just jumped right in with them and began performing and people loved her that she was a big hit for the troops um i'm sure that it was something that brought them a lot of joy just seeing a young kid reminding them of innocence and Mm -hmm. um that on its own giving her an impact you know giving her a literal voice um during the war i think is a really cool part of her story um but after that had gone on for a while because there was no school and she kind of seemed to have this knack for performing, her parents decided to put her into singing lessons, right? Yeah, I mean, that's I mean that's what I would put on my kid if I knew they had some talent. <laughs> yeah, she started taking lessons to, I guess, enhance her ability to perform. And this instructor, this voice lesson instructor that she had discovered that she had a five octave range, which is kind of unheard of. That's amazing. And for her to be so young uh, at the time, it, her instructor during this time actually has written a book about being her instructor. Um, so obviously she became a huge success and a big hit. Um, I think the name of the book is something along the lines of uh, My Biggest Success, Julie Andrews, or something <laughs> like that. Um, but she immediately, the teacher was like, oh my gosh, you have this huge range. She had something that's known as absolute pitch in the singing world. So mm-hmm. she could just... She could match perfect. She yeah. had perfect pitch. Yeah. She could hear a note and have no problem identifying what it was and, and singing it. And so this just kind of rapid fire sent her into this actual singing career. Mm-hmm. She started performing more. Um, she was like a permanent part of this show in England. I can't remember what the name of it was, but by the age of 13, she performed in something called the Royal Review, where she actually performed for Queen Elizabeth. So by 13, she is performing for the King and Queen and obviously making somewhat of a name for herself. Yeah, I mean, and right before that, when she was, I mean, when she was 12, that's when she started performing these difficult operatic type of um, performances. I mean, opera is requires such an incredibly high range um and she at age 12 was starting to participate in the difficult like operatic arias which i think is mind-blowing for her to kind of latch on to this idea of i have a talent a gift that 
people don't have and Mm -hmm. um throw her into a career a musical career um i think she like recorded some songs that was on this like english album of sorts um but anyway she just became somewhat well known to the point where she actually even before the things that we know her from for disney uh was a part of a a disney classic right yeah why don't you talk about that so uh, she actually she went on to appear as the lead in cinderella in the london theater which obviously cinderella huge disney iconic movie and so i think it's very impressive that this is like her first taste at disney um indirectly i guess you could say cinderella came out the animated disney classic cinderella came out in 1950 so in terms of timing this would have been maybe right around the same time or a little a little bit before a little bit after but i think that cinderella at that time you know whether or not it was a popular disney classic um, mm-hmm. became one. And so I think that it's really neat that her connection to something that is as iconic in the Disney realm as Cinderella was a part of her early career. Yeah. I mean, this kind of, once she was on, once she was on Cinderella in London, it's from that point that her career actually took her to Broadway. Yeah. Um, in New York. In New York. So she was in the show, The Boyfriend on Broadway, and then one of her most iconic roles on Broadway was when she became Eliza Doolittle in My Fair Lady. Yeah, I read some really cool stuff about her preparing for her role in uh, My Fair Lady. My Fair Lady is a Broadway classic, and Julie Andrews is the original titular Eliza Doolittle, so the, like, now you can look up like the original Hamilton soundtrack. If you were to listen to the original My Fair Lady soundtrack, it's Julie Andrews. And this got a lot of positive feedback, a lot of praise. Um, People thought she was amazing in this role. And something that I read um, when she was preparing for this role, the um, director of the show literally spent a 48-hour period with her nonstop where they ran through the show and like parts and songs of the show over and over and over again. And the quote that Julie Andrews used when she was talking about this experience of just nonstop being Eliza Doolittle she said that the character she felt like it became part of her soul like she was this person and so this is a really important role for her and got her a lot of recognition in the Broadway entertainment performance realm which is the catalyst to the rest of her career as we know it do we know how old she was when she starred in My Fair Lady so her i think original jump to new york city was in the early 50s and her role as eliza doolittle the premiere of that show was in 1956 so at the time she would have been like 20 21 years old that's so young so young and to have all these eyes on you and have a voice that no one's like i mean people are like no one sings like her i mean no it's crazy so that's a very impactful early start for her um and you know eliza doolittle and my fair lady is still a show that runs today Mm -hmm. i'm pretty sure it's still running in new york and 
I would be curious to see, you know, do people live up to her original embodiment of this character? Like she said, like she felt like she was Eliza Doolittle. She was the first one to ever, you know, perform in this role. So now everyone else who steps into that role probably is like, oh, I have to live up to Julie Andrews. <laughs> yeah. There wasn't anyone before her to make, you know, feel like she was having to mimic or become somebody else. She got to create the little aspects of this character in the show um, that make it so renowned today. Well, I was going to mention this later, but I'll mention it now because we're talking about My Fair Lady. This was one of the fun facts that I had, but in 2016, she actually directed the 60th anniversary production of My Fair Lady. So I think it's really amazing that she was able to come back and like direct it. Her first Broadway show, The Boyfriend, she actually did the same thing or something similar with that, where she came back and directed a version of that show, and I think she won an award for it. So she's kind of stayed true to her roots and really still loves these shows and stories that kickstarted her career and gave her the crazy, awesome Disney career that we know today as well. So after, you know, the boyfriend, My Fair Lady, what what came next for her? So after My Fair Lady, she continued to um, go on her Broadway career and she starred in Camelot on Broadway. And this was actually the show where Walt Disney attended and spotted her in her um, showing of the Camelot. And actually right after one of the shows that he attended, he literally found her backstage and was like, I want to offer you the role in an upcoming film that I'm coming, I'm, I'm putting together, and it's called Mary Poppins. And I'm just like, can you imagine that moment? At this point, it's in the 1960s. Yes. Disney's had several big hits, Snow White, Cinderella, Sleeping Beauty, um, possibly Peter Pan already at this point. I mean, lots of animated features mm-hmm. that are huge successes. He's won Oscars. He's been nominated for several things and to have I mean at at this point Julie Andrews is still she's a well-renowned singer in the Broadway realm but to have somebody who does movies approach you and say hey um, I know you do live performances in Broadway but I'm making a movie what do you think about this yeah and from Julie Andrews perspective she actually had something else going on at that time that made this like probably a very appealing offer to her because we know that she starred as the original Eliza Doolittle My Fair Lady but they were making uh, Warner Brothers was making a My Fair Lady film why don't Mm -hmm. you talk about that for a second yeah so they were making a film for My Fair Lady and at the time um, the directors and producers of the film did not ask Julie Andrews to be Eliza Doolittle because they wanted somebody that was quote-unquote more well-known in the film community and they ended up picking Audrey Hepburn that we know in the film today Um, which obviously is very ironic in the situation because around the same time is when Walt offered her um, the position to be Mary Poppins which we obviously now know is one of the most iconic films of all time. And so it was definitely their loss that they did not pick Julie Andrews for My Fair Lady because of like her career. But also, had they picked Julie Andrews, 
would have she had the space and time to also do Mary Poppins? Probably not, especially not that back, back in that time where creating a movie took a lot more work and time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and for them to pass her up, she's she was the original Eliza. So yeah. I was, I'd be upset. Yeah, I was shocked to see that they passed her up for that. But it was also astounding to me because Audrey Hepburn has a dubbed voice. And even the dubbed voice is not Julie Andrews. They didn't even ask her to sing. Um, so, and, you know, the, the, the show that we know and love as My Fair Lady, which was brought to life by Julie Andrews, the people producing the film just totally looked over her and said, no thanks, we're, we're going to go a different route. And what I read was the person that was directing and producing the film said, my job is to know what brings in money. This is what we want with films. We want them to bring in money. And I know that if certain people are in the film, regardless of if it's good or bad, people will show up to the box office. And so that's why they went with Audrey Hepburn, despite the fact that she could not sing like Julie Andrews. And Julie Andrews is, like she said, Eliza was part of her soul, she felt like. So if there was anyone to bring it to... I mean, we watch Hamilton on Disney Plus with Lin-Manuel Miranda because we know how passionate he is about that character and he brought Alexander Hamilton to life. So I would have loved to have the ability to see Julie Andrews performing her role as Eliza Doolittle in a film form, but they, they didn't go that route. So she got this offer from Walt Disney and is like, somebody else doesn't want me to be in their film. Well, watch me go make my own. And she kills it. <laughs> I think kills it is an understatement. I mean, she blew it completely out of the water. Yeah. And I am curious, I didn't really do too much research, but the original children's story of Mary Poppins was written by P.L. Travers and is a British story, came Mm -hmm. from English culture. And so I wonder if Julie Andrews had a familiarity with the stories um, when, you know, reading the script and seeing what this film was going to be about. But Walt Disney was tasked by P.L. Travers to have an English, you know, very specific English casting directing all of that because Mm -hmm. she was very there's a film now called saving mr banks and if you ever want more insight into walt disney's perspective on making mary poppins i mean he was put through the ringer to bring this thing to life yeah and definitely was worked very hard he the the story is that he asked his daughter what her favorite story was and what she would want to see in a movie and his daughter chose mary poppins and it was like a decade-long battle for him to be able to bring this to life for her but he ended up doing it and it was a huge hit and julie andrews is julie andrews dick van dyke and and everyone involved in this film you know gave it a huge wow factor and it becomes the quote-unquote crowning live-action film for what we know as walt disney pictures yeah absolutely i mean just the fact that they had dick van dyke with julie andrews what an iconic duo. Um, I mean, Dick Van Dyke, we could have a whole Disney Legends episode about him and just the way that he's been a part of the Disney community, but together watching their relationship flourish in this movie is incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just, it's a very enjoyable film. If you haven't seen Mary Poppins and I don't know what you're doing with yourself, <laughs> you need to go watch Mary Poppins. It is such a good film. Um, I mean, 
I'm just sad for people that may have not seen Mary Poppins who are listening to this right now. There's still an opportunity for them to see it, though, which is great. So go watch it. Go watch it right now. Educate yourself on Disney history. So uh, a fun fact or tidbit about this movie, it was the winner of all winners when it comes to awards. It was nominated for 13 Academy Awards. 13. Which is, I feel like, unheard of now. Like, films don't get that many nominations. No, definitely not. And so, obviously, this was huge, groundbreaking. People had to pick their jaws up off the floor because they'd never seen anything like it. It was whimsical and fun and somewhat maybe an unfamiliar story to people, too. Um, But 13 nominations, five wins. Yeah. That's a lot of wins. It was one of those nights at the Oscars where it's like, Mary Poppins, Mary Poppins, Mary Poppins. I'm sure everyone (laughs) was like, of course. (laughs) Nothing else is going to win this year. Um, But it was a big winner at the Academy Awards, which is kind of like the pinnacle of film awards, Mm -hmm. but won all kinds of other awards as well. Grammys, Golden Globes, all of the above. And because of the success of Mary Poppins, it launched Disney into a ton of different things outside of film. Um, but it not only gave Walt Disney success in his filmmaking, but it allowed him to jump into a lot of other projects too um, because of the financial success of the film. So mm, yeah. we can we can touch on that a little bit later, just the impact that this film had on Disney as a whole. But in terms of Julie Andrews, um, in her career, this was a huge deal. She, you know, has a huge Broadway and singing career already and is successful there, but now has stepped into the world of film and won Best Actress and won Best Actress over people who, you know, like Audrey Hepburn were <laughs> up for the same thing where she got looked over and I thought it was super, um, cheeky that uh, (laughs) in her thank you speech she actually addresses and thanks the director who did not give her the role of Eliza Doolittle in My Fair Lady the film and make sure that he's aware that um she she said something along the lines of and this is all possible do you know thanks to so and so um you know I really appreciate what you did for me and which basically like looking over me so I could have this role uh, so she just really went for it there um, yeah but I mean like you said there were a lot of, I mean all the awards that they were able to win some of them included um, well we obviously no she got best actress but the film itself got best original score best original song best film editing and best visual effects yeah, and that's five wins out of 13 nominations. It was nominated for, like, every category. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. I love that it won Best Visual Effects because you think about when this film came out and the effects that you see in this film, like her sliding down the, the banister on the staircase and then with the kites and flying in the sky and, like, the way that they transition from real life to this, like, cartoon life. The way that the effects are in this movie for the time that the movie was out is is way ahead of its time Mm -hmm. yeah like completely it's the original live action where you like the beauty and the beast that we know today the live action remake you have live action characters and you know animated characters as well and without this catalyst of mary poppins we might not be seeing films like that um come about or it maybe would have been much later in time but it was just so innovative and groundbreaking and um what's the term that they use 
um, it's a disruptor comes into the industry it's a new thing that nobody's done before but it disrupts the whole industry because it's like oh this is the new standard this is what we have to live up to so after mary poppins huge success you're like okay what could julie andrews do next (laughs) literally mary poppins 1964 1965 the very next year another huge film not disney related but huge film. What is it? The hills are alive <laughs> with the sound. <laughs> okay. Well, there you go. See, join in. The sound of music. The sound of breaking music. Mary Poppins and the sound of music are, for the United States, culturally speaking, historical. You Absolutely. can't not be, you know educated in film history for this country without seeing both of those films and they came out a year apart from each other yes they both were like the highest grossing nearly the highest grossing movies of their year i can't remember if it was sound of music or mary poppins but one of them was the highest grossing movie of the year and they both win awards Mm -hmm. out the wazoo and julie andrews is starring in both of them yeah I heard that she actually learned to play guitar specifically for her role in this film as Maria because she didn't know how to play guitar before. Isn't that cool? Yeah, it's one of those things that actors do that I'm always impressed by is they get literally into character and learn how to do all these new things like play an instrument to bring the vision to life for whatever the writers and directors had in mind. Um, But I also thought it was interesting in looking you know all of this stuff up that when they brought this character and role to her she was a little bit hesitant she wasn't really sure if she wanted to do it because Mm -hmm. she didn't want to be typecasted as a singing nanny yeah i was gonna mention that that later um and part of our fun facts we're just kind of sprinkling our in our fun facts as we go because they're relevant makes sense but yeah she definitely did she had literally just had this iconic role as a nanny in Mary Poppins, and the year after, she's going for another nanny role. Like I would under, I understand why she would be hesitant because then she feels like she's limiting herself to only those roles. But we obviously know that she goes on. Well, not obviously. If you don't know this, she goes on to do other roles in form of in the form of royalty. This, for me. Oh, I love this Julie Andrews so much. I love how she literally goes from, like, nanny to queen. Yeah. When I think of Julie Andrews, I think queen. Oh, yeah, of course. But it also is, like, a it's also a, be- like a beautiful metaphor to her career. Mm-hmm. Just yeah, the way rags it to riches. Like, rags to riches. She is, she is queen. So, in 1991... The, the idea of this episode in general, Disney Legends, stems from the fact that the Walt Disney Company gives out these awards called Disney Legend yep. Awards. They select people who've had a huge impact on the company and recognize them, give them awards. They get these um, plaques that are outside the, the like actual Walt Disney Company in California. Um, so you can go and kind of see the Walt Disney Legends all kind of sprinkled in mm-hmm. um, in an actual monument of sorts. Um, but she was made a Disney legend in 1991. So Mary Poppins was back in the 60s. And this film, you know, whether or not she 
had a role in other Disney movies at that point was still so impactful that in 1991, they needed to recognize her as a Disney legend. 30 Um, years later. Yes. (laughs) As a Disney legend, she was only the second on-screen talent to be given the honor. So... I don't know who the other on-screen talent was that received the honor of being a Disney legend, but she was the second. I think at some point, I don't know if it was before or after, I know Dick Van Dyke has been named a Disney legend as well. But Mm -hmm. to this point, people who have been named Disney legends are behind-the-scenes people. Like the directors, writers, CEOs, whoever else. Um, But as an actress... You know, this was a very rare thing to be given by the Walt Disney Company. Mm -hmm. So in talking about her going from rags to riches and being this Disney legend icon queen, what better role for her to step into than the queen of Genovia? Oh, our sweet queen of Genovia. Yes. So in 2001, 10 years after she was given the award as a Disney legend, she comes back and plays this role as a queen in the movie Princess Diaries, which I think is an iconic, iconic Disney movie. Yeah, it's, I feel like it's the movie that every little girl should watch when they're growing up. Yeah, I remember seeing this one in theaters, actually, when I was little. I can't, I can't remember if I saw it in theaters or not, but I remember when I did see it, I watched it repetitively. Mm-hmm. And I do remember specifically I don't know who in my family it was, but somebody pointed out to me, that's Mary Poppins, like as the queen. And I was like, what? That's Mary Poppins? No way. (laughs) Um, And so, you know, she's coming back to Disney for the first time in film form since the 60s -hmm. and does Princess Diaries, which maybe by Academy and critical standards wasn't the biggest success. It wasn't winning Oscars or anything, no. but it was a huge loved Disney film. Um, this was Anne Hathaway, which I feel like Anne Hathaway's career maybe somewhat mirrors Julie Andrews. I feel like they have yeah. like very operatic voices. They sing a lot. They're really incredible actresses, but this was one of Anne Hathaway's first, you know, on screen, not first, first, but big, movies for her before she goes on to do things like Devil's Wear, Devil Wears Prada and stars in the film adaptation of Les Mis and all these other things. I mean, Anne Hathaway is a huge act- actress now, and at the time, she was not. Yeah. She was a teenager. She definitely was. I mean, I think they did a great job in casting this film. Um, we had not known, like, who Anne Hathaway was, and she was Mia Thermopolis, and she... She played that role to a T, but also Julie Andrews, I feel like was the most perfect queen in this film. She handled her, her role with such grace, but also with so much humor. I feel like we were able to see a really funny side of Julie Andrews that we did see in Mary Poppins, but with this film, she kind of had more creative ability to kind of show that humorous side. The one thing that comes to my mind is we don't slump like this. And she like <laughs> walks across the screen, just things like that in the movie that it, I think exactly what you said brought her into a different light of we think of Mary Poppins as practically perfect and she gets everything you know absolutely right to a T and you know here she is a queen who's supposed to be practically perfect but her role in this story is to show her granddaughter that 
queens can, you know, loosen up and live a little bit too. Um, <laughs> so eating the corn dog. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And knighting the bus driver. And uh, it's a good movie if you haven't seen yeah, it. It's so it's good. It's wonderful. And I think, like, when I think of that film too, I think about her career. Although she, she is a queen in this film, she's still in this type of role where she's a teacher. Mm-hmm. I feel like nannies are, are teachers. They're teaching life lessons to the younger generation. And as a queen, she's also doing that. And I just feel like that type of role is a role that fits her really well. Mm-hmm. She carries a lot of wisdom. And I would personally love to just sit down with her and have a conversation as human to human, not in any type of character, because I feel like that is... I feel like that's her in real life as well. Yeah. I feel like that's just who she is. And I just love that although she was, you know, she was able to break that typecast of Nanny, that that, that, that storyline still carried with her because she is a wonderful teacher. Yeah, for sure. And after we get the obsession that people had with the original Princess Diaries in 2001, we have a sequel follow-up in 2004. Again, a great movie. They nailed it. Oh, and she actually one. she actually sings in the second one. She does. Which I think probably took a lot of convincing from Disney mm-hmm. to get her to sing in this movie. Um, but she was great. Love it. And Well well, why did it take so much convincing for her to sing? What happened to her in the late nineties that kind of prevented her from singing? Yeah, so her singing career kind of, I won't say tanked, but she just tapered off of singing because she got these nodules on her vocal cords and she had to have surgery um, and it just prevented her and probably scared her a little bit from being able to get back into singing because of how much she, she exhausted and exerted that part of her body to the point of, of needing an actual surgery to repair them. Yeah. Um, so this was... Maybe the first time after that that she I mean, sings. Probably because after that surgery, she could not return to the stage again. And so I think knowing that now, I can appreciate that song in the film more. Because I'm mm-hmm. like, wow, it must have taken you a lot of energy to perform this in the movie. And also forget, we get Raven Simone in I know. <laughs> The Princess Diaries too. Yeah, it was awesome. And we get Julie Andrews mattress surfing. Yes, <laughs> and she's queen and she's graceful. And I, I mean, I would have to do the math to know how old she was when she filmed this, but I, in looking at Julie Andrews, would never pin the number on her. But currently in 2022, she is 86 years old. 86. 86 I want to look old. as good as she looks when I'm 86. Yeah, it's. I mean, she's approaching 90, and she. I would never guess that, and she still talks and, you know, does interviews and things with such poise and is obviously a, an incredible actress, singer, and talent. Yeah. Um, but, even, like, little things that have happened in her career because of how revered she is as an actress um, and singer – uh, she was given, um, I don't really know how this works. I probably should have done a little bit more research, but she was made a dame by Queen Elizabeth because of her contribution to entertainment and British entertainment. Um, she was named top 100 influential, uh, British people, but <laughs> Brits, <laughs> uh, that was bad. <laughs> Courtney, Courtney is a Brit here, so I'm just over here. As the Brit, I'm just loving hearing you talk about all this. Please continue. Um, she's one of the top 100 influential Brits there you out go. there. 
Um, and I, like she performed for the queen when she was 13. And then later on in life, the queen says, hey, uh, you're really important to our country. I'm going to make you a dame. So now she's Dame Julie Andrews. And <laughs> That's wild. And is given this royal title by the queen. Um, plays a queen. Hangs out with the queen. She's just... She gives off royal vibes. Yeah. She's... Um, maybe she should be dubbed uh, like a Disney princess or a Disney queen, maybe. But love that. I think she totally fits that role. Let's talk about a couple other things that she starred in. There are a couple of one more Disney thing. Actually, no, there's a couple more Disney things, and then some other films that she kind of starred in. Yeah. So just kind of rapid fire. The obvious highlights of her career are more early career stuff. Princess Diaries was a success, I think, relatively speaking, in the Disney yeah. world. Um, but she is in um, Eloise at the Plaza and Eloise at Christmas Time, which are awesome movies. Um, and she reprises a role as a nanny, which I think was meant to be a little bit comical at that point. Um, yeah. And pay homage to where she came from and how she started her career in the first place. Um, she personal favorite of mine narrates uh for the film enchanted oh um i think that's another disney one that's in there um she voices the queen in um some of the shrek movies shrek 2 and 3 and uh again playing a queen um and then she surprisingly is guru's mom and Despicable Me. <laughs> that's so surprising she, to me. Like, that's such a random one. Yeah, she's crossing lines into DreamWorks and Universal here, but that's okay. Um, and then most recently, she has been the voice of Lady Whistledown in the Netflix hit Bridgerton. So she's continued to lend her voice to a lot of different roles and kind of do these voiceover type things where she's not acting on screen but she can lend her voice which is very recognizable and you know pleasant to listen to oh, it's a very um, pleasant voice to all of these different characters she can just narrate my life yeah um yeah that's <laughs> i could totally hear julie andrews narrating my life it might be a little bit out of place i'm definitely not royal vibes but i mean you i'll know, take I, i'll take her narrating my life is what i meant for sure. Me too. <laughs> also, just something else to kind of throw in. She was the official ambassador of Disneyland's 50th anniversary from 2005 to, to 2006, which is an extreme honor um, for the Walt Disney Company. So I thought that was really interesting to throw in there. Yeah, for her to be that person where Disneyland is the original Disney theme park. And to hit 50 years is a huge milestone. So who they select to be the ambassador for the celebration is a big deal. And so I think that selecting Julie Andrews makes a lot of sense. Um, Some of the impact that we were going to talk about with Mary Poppins, it lends itself to this idea of her being a Disney legend and that the success and the financial income that Walt Disney and the Walt Disney Company got from the movie Mary Poppins actually allowed Walt Disney to expand his theme park projects. That's what he used the money that he got from this film for. The I think the overall profit was like almost $30 million and he used that money to invest in the Disney monorail system and um, the like safety system on the monorail is 
called the Maypo, referring to Mary Poppins, literally tributes the thing that funded it in the first place, which I think is so cool. Um, but Walt Disney actually used the money for Mary Poppins to purchase land in Florida. Yeah, I mean, I think we would still have Disney World today had Mary Poppins not happened, but I don't think we would have had it as soon as we had it. Mm-hmm. I think. Or as big. Or as big. Um, and so it's crazy to think that because of this film, we have we have Walt Disney World in Florida. Yeah, and I think that it um, speaks volumes to Walt's appreciation of the film, too, yeah. to not only, I mean, if you watch any Disney documentary, um, specifically about the Sherman Brothers, who wrote a lot of the early music for Disney films, Walt Disney's favorite song from any movie was Feed the Birds, which is from Mary Poppins. Um, Richard Sherman, on many different interviews, has said that you know he would just be in the office at the Walt Disney Company and ask him to come in and play that song. And um, you know Julie Andrews sings that song in the film, uh, and it being his favorite song for of all of Disney projects and it being this film that gets him award after award after award and being a film that gives him the finances to build upon his dreams and hopes for his company I mean that's a really impactful mm-hmm. piece of art and, and yeah. project for him so I think that Julie Andrews opened that door for him to be able to have this film she played such an incredible character in Mary Poppins and brought all these little quirks and aspects to her that I'm not sure, you know, if anybody else was in that role that maybe the film wouldn't have been as successful. Yeah, I mean, it's, it is very incredible just to see the impact that that film specifically has had on the Disney community, but also just the way that Julie Andrews has really blessed us <laughs> with her presence in these early films but also coming back in the early 2000s for these other films because people people recognize her they know her and um it's almost a sense of nostalgia and home and i love yeah. that um she's been able to be a part of a lot of disney projects that have helped fund the things that we know and appreciate today about walt disney world so absolutely i um forgot to mention this fun fact but here's another fun fact for you um i forget the specific name of it but um the u.s government actually made mary poppins a national heritage film there's a list of films that come from u.s directors writers that are meant to go on this list of being culturally relevant to American film mm-hmm. and Mary Poppins is in the Library of Congress as a film that is super relevant to American film culture and history Wow! Um, so not only just in the realm of Disney but in film period this movie was huge yeah I want to go watch Mary Poppins now you know what because we have Mary Poppins, now we also have Mary Poppins Returns. We do. To which go watch. stars Dick Van Dyke, but I was so hoping we were going to get some Julie Andrews in there. I think that there was some reasoning behind why she did not want to come back in this film from what I have read. She's been very vague and has not wanted to do interviews about why she did or didn't choose to be in this Mm -hmm. film she made a comment to someone saying that she didn't want to 
dampen Emily Blunt's light as, you know, reprising Mary Poppins. Um, But obviously, I don't know if it comes from a place of I can't sing like that anymore, a hurtful place, or if she truly did just want it to be Emily Blunt's thing. Um, My thought which I love Angela Lansbury. She's a voice of Mrs. Potts. And if you've seen this, the new representation of Mary Poppins or um, sequel of sorts to Mary Poppins and Mary Poppins Returns, um, she's the balloon lady at the end of the film and she starts the um, Nowhere to Go But Up song. In my head, I was like, oh, that would have been the perfect thing for Julie Andrews to be. Yeah. It's like just this small role at the end that, you know, Dick Van Dyke was in the same way just this small role at the end but he's still around and obviously still kicking he dances very intensely at the end of this movie (laughs) that would have been really sweet if she was the balloon lady yeah um but i thought something like that would have been really rewarding for viewers who love this film so much um to get at the end just like that sweet cherry on top of the reason we love this film and want to come see this sequel is because of Julie Andrews as Mary Poppins. And so I was kind of sad that she wasn't in it, but I still loved this new film. And again, we have Julie Andrews to thank for making this a popular yeah. Disney iconic film to, to get a sequel in the first place. And we might be seeing it in the parks. It's kind of on hold right now, but Cherry Tree Lane is an attraction that they are trying to add to Epcot in the United Kingdom Pavilion. We're not quite sure exactly what this quote unquote attraction is. It's very, when they announced it, it was very vague. I think it's gonna be more of a walkthrough experience, but it's supposed to resemble Cherry Tree Lane, which is where Michael and Jane live in the film, Mary Poppins. So I think, Obviously, the United Kingdom Pavilion is a perfect spot to put this. It's the only spot to put it, but they really could revamp that space in in creating this walkthrough experience for to you know to pay respects to the movie itself. Because when you're in the United Kingdom Pavilion in Epcot, the front part of it is very fun to walk through. But once you kind of go to the back left section of the United Kingdom Pavilion, it's very quiet and dead back there. Like there's not a lot going on and people usually don't go back there unless there's like live music happening. So I feel like it's a great opportunity for that area. I know they've had a lot of projects be put on hold because of COVID, which makes a lot of sense. And I, I, I really hope this project doesn't go to die, but we haven't heard much about it since they announced it. And I don't know, I'm really hoping that it's a project that actually comes to fruition. Yeah, I think it's officially been put on hold, but Mary Poppins meets as a meet and greet or previously did in the back of the UK pavilion where they're talking about putting this attraction. I kind of imagine it as something on a much smaller scale to like Avengers Campus where like there isn't really a ride per se, but you Mm. get to feel like you've stepped into the film um and so being on cherry tree lane if there is a bert of sorts or a balloon lady or just Mm -hmm. things like that back there that make you feel um like you're immersed in the film uh i think what they had put out was that you would get to step into jane and michael's house on cherry tree lane so like you said like a like a walkthrough experience maybe not sure if they would turn it into an attraction i think that that would be an amazing attraction to have if you walk into you know cherry tree lane 
or their house on, I think it's 17 Cherry Tree Lane, something like that. And you step into a ride vehicle sorts and, and are taken through some version of an attraction. That would be really cool. Um, <laughs> but I don't know that they have the finances and time to create something of that scale. Yeah. So it just kind of seemed like it was supposed to be more of a walkthrough or walk around experience. Um, but I really hope that it still happens at some point. Yeah, I really hope it does too. It's definitely needed. I mean, with, with it being such a groundbreaking film for it to only have a you know a safety feature on the monorail system i'm like come on we need more yes (laughs) give us more so i don't know i mean this has been such a fun journey through her career and kind of you know looking back on all of her accomplishments why don't we end with just a couple of fun facts okay works for me okay so we're gonna take it back to her time in the sound of music the iconic scene where you see her twirling on in the field by the mountains that shot was actually um created via helicopter and so imagine you're like spinning in the on top of this mountain and there's a helicopter above your head just like going round and round and round julie andrews said that it actually took so many shots it took lots of shots to make it happen because the the wind that was created by the helicopter kept making her fall down (laughs) (laughs) that's so funny to like you see that scene and you're like wow how graceful and beautiful it's so beautiful and then you think about her just like falling it's like oh i mean the helicopter had to have been pretty low to the ground to be able to get that shot especially back then when like cameras couldn't zoom as Mm -hmm. far as they do Mm -hmm. today so i'm sure it was a very low hanging helicopter and she was I mean, trying to keep her balance. Yeah. I kind of want to go back and watch that scene and look at it from a different angle now that I know that's kind of what happened. Yeah, I also read that filming The Sound of Music took way longer than they projected because the location that they chose for the film was very gloomy and rainy. And so the actors and directors said that they were lucky if they got one scene in a day. And so wow. it just took them so long to be able to get the beautiful, sunshiny, picturesque moments in the day like you see in Mm -hmm. that particular part of the film um so between her falling all the time and there just being awful weather consistently i'm sure it was interesting behind the scenes to film that and then see how incredible it turned out in the end yeah (laughs) that's so fun i mean i'm sure there's so many fun things to learn about the behind the scenes of movies of things that look so effortless on screen but how much energy and time went into actually making it happen it's wild to me. Um, also, she has a rose named after her. After she had, after she went through Sound of Music, there was like this orange type of rose that literally was named after her. And now she has a she has it's a flower that is her name. Not only <laughs> is she recognized by the queen, she is a queen. She's a Disney legend, but even nature reflects. <laughs> Julie Andrews in some way. I mean, to have a flower named after you, that's pretty epic. Like, can you imagine going to the florist and being like, I'd like a Julie Andrews rose, please? <laughs> I wonder if they're rare. I need to... I know, I should look it up. It's an orangey color rose. Hmm. That's all I know Perfect. About it. But... I love it. I feel like if there is any flower to be named after her, it would have to be a rose. No, yeah, absolutely. Classic, reliable, beautiful. Yes. Julie Andrews. Graceful. Yes. Hey, one more. Yeah, we've got one more fun fact, and this one might be one of my favorites. Okay, go for it. So, Julie Andrews is actually the OG voice of any animatronic ever. (laughs) I love that. She 
I mean, if you've been to Disney or Disney parks, it is made up of your experience. A lot of the times it's made up of interactions or viewings of animatronics. So for Mary Poppins, there's this one scene where she's singing Spoonful of Sugar and is it Spoonful of Sugar? Yeah, it's Spoonful of Sugar. Okay. She's singing Spoonful of Sugar and she, you know, opens the window and there is a bluebird there and she interacts and sings with the bluebird and it's an animatronic and it whistles back to her or it's a robin. It's a robin okay. that sings back to her. Um, and this robin interacts with her and sings along with her and the whistle is actually just a recorded Julie Andrews. <laughs> she just had a conversation with herself. Yeah. And I believe that animatronic can be found in Disney somewhere. Oh. I'm not... I need to look that up. That would be a fun fact of fun facts. It might... Oh, yes, it is. It's in Carousel of Progress. Really? Yes, through the window. It's sitting on a tree branch. So if you want a piece of Disney history, go in Carousel of Progress. And there is like a spring or fall scene where there's a robin sitting on a tree in the background. And that is the Mary Poppins robin. Okay, that's amazing. Yeah, another reason to go on Carousel of Progress, all you people skipping it. People that skip Carousel of Progress, we have beef, okay? We have beef. It's a great ride. If you haven't, it's just a nice way to sit down, relax, put your feet up, get some air conditioning, and just experience history. That itself is a Disney legend, so (laughs) anyway. We have a whole Disney Legends episode about the Carousel of Progress. Maybe we should. You know, I'm passionate about it. We could do it. Anyways, this has been such a fun episode. I have really enjoyed getting to speak about our queen, Julie. If you're listening, Julie, we love you. <laughs> what a dream it would be if she heard this episode. Yes, um, I will buy a dozen roses, bring them to you wherever you are. Just send me that address. She's definitely in Genovia, so. Oh, yes. Um, I'll be there for the next ball of any kind. <laughs> Yeah, we'll definitely show up and maybe she'll listen to our podcast. But thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode and catching Disney Legends. And we'll see you next season. Small shop shout out. Our final shout out of season three. Season three finale. Small shop shout out. That was excessive. I don't think that was necessary, but here we are. That's okay. This (laughs) week's small shop shout out is N and N designs. Not M and M like the chocolate, but N and N. Yes. N as in no way jose uh, <laughs> that's right no way jose this is the first thing that came to my mind um but in and in designs is a mom and daughter duo which i love why not make magic with your mom love that she made magic by making you there you go and they make mickey inspired handbags okay we all got we all love accessories right if you have your park outfit you've got to have your cute your little cross your crossbody bag or like a cute little hand like a little hand purse like i don't know i just think having a mickey inspired design like that and these these handbags Beautiful. are chic they oh, have they these chic. fun lounge fly and other types of disney bags that are a little bit loud and a little they're like hyper themed like you can see stitch or whoever on yeah. your back with the backpack but these are very 
classy, subtle nods to Mickey. They often will use like little pearl studs to make a Mickey head. That's so classy. And they put them on like leather bags or crossbody bags, whatever it might be. But I love these. It's a, like I said, chic, classy way to add Disney flair to your everyday outfit or your park outfit. Definitely check them out on Instagram at N&N Designs. Hey all, this is Kelly from Kelly's Magical Vacations, the official travel partner of the Castle Chat, and I am so excited to bring you today's trip tip. If you're looking to save a couple of dollars, one way to do that is to do your bigger meal at lunchtime. You're going to find if you look at the menus that the lunchtime prices are going to be less than your dinnertime prices. So try to do a meal around like one o'clock when you're in the lunchtime hour at a full service location and you'll be able to kind of fill up on that meal and then just do a snack later on. There is so much great food out there in Walt Disney World that you are definitely going to want to try all the snacks and all that. So that's a great way to do it and save a few dollars at the same time. Be sure to head over to Kelly's Magical Vacations on Instagram for all your Disney chips and tricks. And if you are looking to plan a Disney vacation, you can head to the Castle Chats Instagram. Click that link in their bio and there will be a form that you can fill out so that we can start planning. And I can help you with everything from your accommodations to your tickets to your dining and everything in between. Kelly has the best trip tips. I always think that there is a a time where these trips will, or the tips will run out and they never do. And I learn something new every week. Thank you, Kelly. I mean, makes so much sense. Go ahead and have your larger meal at lunch, save some money, enjoy the table service. Yeah, I think that a lot of times people will skip out on table service because it's too expensive, but not only does this give you an opportunity to experience new things, try different foods, it gives you an opportunity to sit down out of the Florida heat and get off your feet for a second. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, why not just sit down and enjoy a really nice meal in the middle of the day? Disney's crazy. Treat yourself. Yeah. Thanks, Kelly. If you want to learn more about Kelly and her services with Kelly's Magical Vacation, definitely hit her up on Instagram. There's also a link in our bio where you can go ahead and get signed up to get her help. It's free and um, it, it supports us and our partnership with her. So I would say next week, but next season, because this is the season finale and we've got season four coming up. When can our listeners expect season four so we always take a two-week break between each season it gives us an opportunity to plan get things ready and keep things in a timely manner for you so you can expect to see us back in two weeks on april 24th so we will miss you guys for the next two weeks but we have so much that we want to get done in that time to make season four another memorable one for you yeah definitely i mean we also want to incorporate a lot of episodes next season that you guys get to vote on we did that a little bit this season and that was so much fun um 
because we get to make this podcast something that you guys truly want to listen to and you have input on. So definitely continue to um, check out our Instagram. You can find us at the castle chat or you can send us an email, thecastlechat at gmail.com. This is where we'll put out polls or you can send us suggestions of episodes that you would like to hear. We definitely obviously take those into consideration as we are building out our seasons. So definitely reach out to us um, via those platforms. Also, we would love, 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 love before season four starts if you would drop us a review. We are, you know, we are three seasons in. We've been doing this for six months. We love doing this and we would love to hear from you guys and what you love and maybe don't love about the podcast so we can continue to grow and improve and make this something that you guys want to listen to week in, week out. So we just want to say thank you and this has been such a fun season and we're so ready for season four. Yes, we are. Yeah. I think that's a wrap. That's a wrap. So I'll leave you guys with what we always leave you with to end out season three, which is there is a great, big, beautiful tomorrow out there waiting for you. Go make it magical. See you real soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.